0: John chapter 6 and verse 1. I used this scripture not too long ago. And as I was studying yesterday, I'd come back across this, and it got me thinking about some situations people are in. And as I began to read this, God kind of took me down a different road, gave me a it just amazes me how often I can read the the passages of Scripture. and It was one way, one time, and then when you're reading it another time, it means something totally different. And so today, I'm going to go a different angle with this, so you're going to have to follow me. Because I uh, I just told Doris, I'm going to have to speed preach. <laughs> That's a, that means you got to put your listening ears on, because it'll be quick. Amen. <laughs> So John chapter 6 verse 1, after these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he did, on them that were diseased. Jesus went up into a high mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company come unto him. He had, under, he had said it unto Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, And two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother said unto him, There is a lad here, which have five barley loaves, two fish. But what are that among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in the number of about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves. And the fish, and he given thanks, and he distributed it to the disciples, and disciples to them that were sat down, and likewise the fish, as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto the disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together, and they filled 12 loaves of baskets with fragments of barley loaves, which remained over and above. Unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is the truth that the prophet that should come to the world. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I ask this morning, Lord God, may our hearts and our ears be open to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name. Now, the miracles and the multitude here, we see that many are following Jesus to see his miracles. Now, I'm sure many uh, wondered what was the next thing he was going to do. I'm sure even today people are looking and wondering to see what Jesus is going to do next. Many of us in our own lives, you're going through situations or, you know, family members that are going through situations and you're kind of waiting to see what Jesus is going to do. I'm in that same boat. I'm waiting to see what Jesus is going to do. I'm anticipating something great because he has promises in his word. And so I stand on those promises. But I notice here in verse 2 that people are especially moved by his power to heal. And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles that he did did on those which were diseased. He was... They were watching the miracles take place one after another. So what kind of took me by surprise is when Jesus then takes off and he takes the disciples and he goes into the the mountain, into a high place to get away, to have time with the the disciples. But think about verses 1 through 7 there for a moment. When facing problems, we need to remember his power. See, problems come to all of us. No one is excluded from problems. Matter of fact, we are reminded many times throughout the scripture that that we have trials and tribulations. None of us uh, escape problems. Problems are often often centered around people. Isn't that the truth? If you be honest with yourselves, you can say amen to that. See, We have physical problems, we have car problems, we have housing problems, and yet some of us have job problems. But listen to this, most of us, our problems center around family. Family problems. Because there's always somebody who's not happy about something. I know that in my situation, I would talk to a guy some I guess it's a few weeks ago. Somebody had had contact with in probably over 20 years. And uh, he said, hey, I I didn't know you were down in West Palm Beach. We haven't heard, you You, you know, you, you left Ocala, nobody knew where you went. I thought that was a good thing. <laughs> I thought he must not have been really close had I had left, he didn't know where I went. So he begins to tell me about his Problems, his woes. And then he began to talk to me about how some people came to his house and knocked on the door and started witnessing to him. Oh boy. I said the same thing. Oh boy. I said, uh, Was it Jehovah's Witness? No. I said, Oh, okay. I said, just some people doing evangelism? No. I said, well, who was this that came to your door? Oh, it was this, this pastor of a small church in out in Ockawaha, Florida. It's a, it's a real small town. I mean, one blink and you're through the place. But there's like six churches. And so he said this pastor heard he was having some problems, so he wanted to come by and talk to him. And as this pastor came and talked to him and came back and talked to him again and came back and talked to him again, he said, I know what he wanted. He just wanted to work me up and I would give him an offering of some sort. He said, but the guy never asked for money. I said, well, what did he ask for? His name is Gilbert. Maybe I shouldn't have said his name. I don't know. I won't give you his last name. How's that? So anyway... So, so Gilbert, <laughs> Gilbert says, I kept waiting. What, what does he want? Why does he keep coming? Why does he keep praying for me? I'm not going to his church. I'm not calling on him. He just comes and he visits and he takes time out of his schedule and, and we talk. He said, finally, about the second month of visiting him, the guy said, well, I think I've heard enough of your woes. I've heard all of your problems that you got and all the issues you have with your family and your children and your, your ex-wives and your former wife. He said, why don't you just give up all your problems? And he said, I couldn't believe this guy was wanting me to commit suicide. <laughs> he said, my problems aren't that bad. He said, that was what was running through my head. I wanted the guy to leave. And he said, then he said, I know just the guy that can fix all your problems. And he introduces him to Jesus. And he gets saved. And he turns his life. He's so excited that he calls my brother. I don't he could watch. Because he knows who I'm talking about, see. And he calls my brother and he said, Hey. How do I get a hold of Dave? He said, why do you want to get a hold of him? He said, I want to talk to him. I had this pastor who introduced me to Jesus, and, and he knows Dave. He said, I want to get a hold of Dave. And he says, well, he's down in West Palm Beach doing that preacher stuff. Uh-huh. He said, you mean you're not saved? I thought, wow, there's somebody. And I've been praying, how is God going to introduce my brother, to Jesus. Because it wasn't going to be through me because he had been kind of avoiding me. And see how God just uses the right people at the right time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Amen. Amen. And he said, well, you, here's his number. You can call him and talk to him about the preacher stuff. He said, so I took him for a strong sign that, that he doesn't know the Lord. I said, oh, he knows the Lord. He's just not ready to receive him. He said, well, doesn't he know time's running out? I said, doesn't the world know that time's running out? You see, I think there are times when we begin to examine these portions of Scripture, we begin to see the solutions to our problems may require more than we possess. You see, Here's a nugget for you. If you don't already know this, you don't have to hunt for solutions for your problems because Jesus already has the answer to your problems. You see, so many times we're looking for a solution, we're looking for a quick fix, when Jesus is the quick fix. We see here that that Jesus presents a situation and he says hey how are we going to get enough food to feed all these people he already knew what he was going to do but he wanted to see if they were going to figure it out and so when he begins to start tallying up how many people are there how much bread it's going to be needed how much it's going to cost to feed all these people they don't have enough money You see, because the Lord saw the problem first. Remember when he was up on the mountain, he opened his eyes, and what did he see? He saw a great crowd coming toward him. He saw a great multitude coming. And so what is Jesus' first thing? How are we going to feed them? He's already telling them how are we going to feed all these people? Now, they're not prepared for that question, I'm sure. Us? Us feed them? Shouldn't they have brought their... Do you know how big a barley loaf is? you know how big a barley loaf is? It's one inch around. It's one inch around and about three-eighths inches thick. And he only had five of them. And the fish that was in the little lad's lunch was big enough to fit into your hand. And he only had two of those. And so obviously they were like, "Well, what what is this among so many? What are we going to do with these? five little round barley loaves and these two little fish that boy's mama was smart she sent that man with a lunch she knew he was going to be out of the house for a while so she sent him with nourishment our problem is we go into the house of god and we look for nourishment and we only leave with a little piece of barley loaf and a little fish and we expect that to hold on to us for Till we meet next Sunday. But God has given us a smorgasbord, if you will, of food right here that we can have every single day. We can eat on the Word of God every day. We can nourish ourselves in the Word of God every day. And there's more than enough to carry you, guess how long? Through your whole life. It will get you through your whole life. You see, the Lord saw the problem and he gave the answer. Jesus knew what he was going to do before Philip could even answer. Nothing takes Jesus by surprise. When Jesus asked Philip, where could they buy such an amount of bread? Philip started assessing the problem and and the probable cost. But Jesus wanted to teach him that financial resources aren't the answer. Because he already had, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, as I was reading, I thought, wait a minute. These multitudes had already been following him. Jesus had already been healing the sick. Why did they think that Jesus wouldn't have the answer to the problem? And we're like that, church. We're those stubborn mules. I hate to say it, because I am that. I'm that, okay? I'm stubborn. But Jesus always has the answer. And so many times we're trying to figure things out on our own when he's already given us the answer. But yet we struggle. We try to fix. Philip focused on the problem and planned accordingly. Let me ask you. Are you focusing on your problems and not the problem solver? See, because that's what we do. We're human. We we tend to focus on our problems rather than the problem solver, rather than Jesus, the one who can fix all that is broken. He should have focused on the power of Christ and relaxed people are always telling me you got to relax pastor you got to relax at work they always tell me you got to slow down you got to relax with God nothing is impossible you see when we focus on the problems what we try to do is we try to find people who can solve the problems we try to find solutions it's kind of like when you have a car problem right when you have a car problem what do you do You go to a baker. No, No, you go to a mechanic. When you you are trying to fix a bad tooth, the right thing to do is to go to to a zoologist and let them try to fix your mouth up. No, you go to a dentist. He's going to fix the broken tooth. When your body's broken, we immediately rush to the doctor. When the doctor's always in the house. You hear what I'm saying? The doctor's always in the house. You don't have to run to him every day. See, we, our problem is we, don't, we, have, we have kind of shut out our problem solver. And we've tried to rely on all the other sources out there before going to him. Jesus wants us to go to him first. Like Andrew, when he, what does he do? He finds this little lad. He says, hey, I found a lad who has five barley loaves and two fish. He was trying to solve the problem by finding this. And Jesus says, oh, a boy, his lunch. This is good. So what does he do? He gets 12 baskets together. And then Jesus takes the bread and he, and he prays over it. And he, what does he do? He tells the men, sit down. Have the men to sit down. I thought, well, why didn't the women and children sit down too? Because, see, in that day it was humbling for a man to be told to sit down. And so they humbled themselves and they, and they sat down and, and they waited for, to see what was going to happen next. And so Jesus would produce enough food through prayer, to feed 5,000 men. I think to say this, that God often uses small things to bless so many people. He used such a small amount of food to bless such a great multitude of people. You know, it's the little things in our lives that we need to be thanking the Lord for. It's those little things in life that are going to Bring our, the, the most challenges, if you will, to our lives. And, and God's going to use the little things to bring great blessings. It's not that you can give somebody money so that they can go buy food. Sometimes it's taking them to buy the food. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes it's taking them to the doctor's office instead of having them call a taxi or Uber or whatever to go, sometimes it's those little things that you do that changes the heart of people. Jesus wants to change our mentality. He wants to change our hearts. And a lot of times, we have to learn to understand what it is to allow Jesus to take everything that he's given to us through the word of God and then to distribute it to the world. Oh, pastor, I'm not really an evangelist. If you're a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're an evangelist. I hate to break There's a little nugget for you. You might want to write that one down. I'm an evangelist. So next time somebody sees you, you don't say, I'm unemployed. You say, I'm an evangelist. Amen. What? You're an evangelist? Yes. Do you know Jesus? You see, you have the opportunity to do something none of, nobody else in this room can do. And you know why that is? Because you know people other people don't. And those people that they know, they have the opportunity to witness to through action or deed. As well as you have the same opportunity to do things through action and deed that other people don't know. That's how the kingdom of God grows. It's not by any one person. When Jesus sent out the disciples, how did he send them out? By twos. They didn't go out by themselves? And so... We have a body of believers here that can go out by twos and witness the people. But we must be willing to obey before we're ready to give the blessing. You see, so many times we're not obeying. We, we want to just do. And we don't obey what the Lord calls us to do because we want to do it our way and not His way. Well, you got to understand, Lord, I have appointments this week and, and what you want me to do doesn't exactly fit into my schedule this week. Can we work on it next week? And then what happens is when next week comes, more stuff gets into your schedule and you have to put the Lord off again. You're continually finding yourself putting the Lord off and doing not doing what the God has instructed you to do. You have to keep putting it off because your worldly schedule has conflicted with the heavenly schedule. These guys understood what it was to to try to understand what the Lord is doing when when he tells them to have the men sit down. You see, nothing is disorganized about Jesus. He does everything in order. Our humbling Savior, giving thanks for the food before he gives it, Orderly distribution of the food to the disciples. Again, nothing disorganized. He will bring order to our lives. He didn't say, hey, each one of them only gets a small morsel of fish and a small morsel of bread. What did he say to them? Give them as much as they want. Let them fill their stomachs to overfull. And there was still more food left. That's how I know when I stand upon God's promises, when he says he will do more than I ever could ever ask or ever think. I know that because I've read it here in the scripture where they had all this multitude, 12 baskets left. More than they needed. It was there and everybody had some. But notice how Jesus has gathered up that none would be wasted. I've learned a few things over the years. I used to not understand what my mom would say to me. Now you make sure you eat all the food on your plate. You don't know how many children are starving around the world. And I'd say, okay, mom, let's pack it up and mail it to them. But that was not what she meant. What she was saying was, we can't afford to waste things. But you know what we can't afford to waste, church? You know what the biggest wasting thing that we have, the biggest wasting thing that we do is our time. We waste our time. There's so much to do for the kingdom of God that we don't have time to waste. Matter of fact, we know that we're getting closer and closer and closer to the end times. If you haven't watched the news lately, I'm not a news watcher for say, well, you might want to catch a few glimpses from here and there. You hear how they're talking about World War III now. And what does the scripture talk about? Wars and rumors of wars. I just think we're getting closer and closer to the end times. I, I told my daughter the other day. I said, listen, you guys need to make sure you're on track. You need to make sure that you're right with God because it, it could be any day. She said, Dad, you've been saying that forever. I said, one of these days you're not going to hear me say it. She said, what, when, when, when you go to be with the Lord? I said, no, when we're all gone. I said, you won't be hearing me say, I've been saying it and saying it and saying we're going to be gone. And you're going to be stuck here saying, what, why didn't I listen? There are going to be a lot of people that are going to miss it because they're not listening. We had this discussion again this week as I was sharing with a young man about how short time is and how God's going to come soon. And he was talking to me about his relationship with his girlfriend. I said, dump her. What? Dump her? You know, you don't hear pastors say that too often, do you? I can't just dump her. I said, why? Well, because I live with her. I said, well, that's even worse. I said, now, for sure you need to dump her. But she pays half the rent. I said, well, struggle. I said, you got to get out of that situation. So I don't know. We go to the same church. I said, oh, my goodness. You go to the same church and you're living together? What does the pastor think? Well, I wouldn't tell him. I said, but you know what? You don't have to tell him. He said, oh, thanks for telling me that. I said, because God already knows. (laughs) He said, well, now you're trying to make me feel convicted. I said, oh, no. Oh, no, I would never do that. I said, the word of God speaks very clearly about our moral lifestyle. I said, because this is how I feel. Either you live for them or you don't. I said, all this people. Well, I know a lot of people who go to our church and they live together. I said, I'm just say this. The Bible is very clear about your standard of living. If you're lukewarm, he's going to spit you out of his mouth. I said, you cannot live together and sleep together and then say I'm a child of the King, because that goes against what Scripture says. He said. you're you're, you're just making it impossible I said I'm not making anything impossible I'm only going by what the scripture tells me I'm only going by what the word of God says could you imagine what it would have been like if the disciples would have disobeyed Jesus and not told the men to sit down what would have happened what could the whole scenario could have changed you see it's all about obedience. We have to be obedient to the word of God. The disciples had to be obedient. They had to follow Jesus' instructions and in telling the men to sit down. He gathered up those fish. He gathered up those barley loaves. Jesus knew that little lad had them. He, he knew. It's not like he said, hey, listen, when you send your son out today, send him with some barley loaves and some fish. No. Jesus knew the whole time that that was going to take place. Matter of fact, when I was in Jerusalem and when I had gone over to Israel, I saw this place where they speculate that this took place. And it was. It was a kind of like a hillside, and it was green, full of grass, where they all could have sat down, where it could have held 5,000-plus people easily and how Jesus could have been at the bottom and his voice would have echoed to the top. Right. It was it was awesome sight. And I thought, man, I wish I could have been there when Jesus fed the 5000. Yeah. But then I'm reminded that Jesus isn't that Jesus isn't feeding just a simple 5000 people today. He's feeding millions and millions of people every day through the Word of God. You see, because this is our bread of life. The bread of life is the Word of God, and we need that every day in our lives. You see, the effect of the miracle, the 12 baskets that were left over are not really significant. What is significant is the obedience of of what God commanded them to do. I don't know what he did with the 12 baskets that were left over. Perhaps he gave it to the little boy. I don't know. But people knew Jesus was the promised one. You know, do you see that at the end? They knew who Jesus was. Once he provided that five, they knew he was the savior. They knew he was the chosen one. They knew who he was. Jesus didn't just want to feed them. Jesus wants to feed us. Jesus wants to feed us through his word. But church, we have to be obedient to the word. We have to live the word. We have to talk to the word. Our lives must reflect Jesus. It must reflect. I know we've got problems. All of us have problems. All of us have gone through things this week or maybe last week or the week before that we didn't anticipate on going through. But know that Jesus is the solver of every issue that you have faced. And he's going to carry you through. Why? Because you're going to be obedient to him. So many times I see people and this, I don't get it. But sometimes I see those who are living worldly being blessed beyond measure, I'm like, what? And and I could be struggling through a situation and not understand, okay, God, I'm serving you. I'm doing everything you tell me to do. And this guy over here, forget it. And he's just rolling in. It's like everything you touch turns to gold. But the scripture reminds me that it rains on the just and the unjust. You see, church, Everything he touches may turn to gold. But I know in the end one thing. His gold will be gone and I'll be walking on it. You hear what I'm saying? His gold will be gone but I'm going to be walking on it because I'm going to be walking the streets of gold. I'm going to be in the presence of Almighty Lord. That's what I live for. That's what I long for. That's my desire. That's what I yearn for daily is to... To be in my Savior's sight. And I can't wait for that day to come. Now, I'm not saying I want to die tomorrow. But I just can't wait to be there. Is it possible to, like, I'm happy now, but I'm going to be, I just can't wait to be more excited for when I die? Well, let's be careful here. But I'm looking for that day. I know I've talked to some people who feel like they've been cheated out of death they were robbed they were on the brink and they wanted to go but nobody let them go and then when they woke up they're like they're like really this is what you left me come back for i could have been there and you left me here listen there's coming a day where we're going to see jesus and until that day comes know that you have a plan here And your plan and your purpose is to serve Jesus and to to help others come to know Jesus, to walk with him, to talk with him, to grow with him, to love him like he loves them. I'm going to put you all on the spot this morning right now. How many can say I love Jesus with my whole heart? and i would sacrifice everything i have for him you see the world won't say that the world will say oh no i can't give all this up you remember the story you remember the rich young ruler when he went before jesus and he says what must i do to inherit the kingdom of god and and the, the lord begins to tell him all these things the commandments and all He said, oh, I've kept all that. I've done all this. And then Jesus just simply turns to him and says, "So, get, take all your wealth. Get rid of all your wealth and follow me. And with a sad head bowed, all he could do was walk away. Because his wealth meant more to him than what Christ had to offer. Church, There's nothing on this earth that's worth taking me to hell for. But my Savior died on this earth that I could go to heaven for. And that's what I long to do. To be with him forever and throughout eternity. Because eternity is a long time. And it's a long time to burn. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being your servant. I thank you for the privilege, Lord, to have fellowship with you, to know you, to serve you. Lord, I know that there are times in our lives where we're challenged by things that come along. But Lord, we know that we can look to you and see the promises that you have for us. Lord, that place that you've gone to prepare for us, that we will be with you. Lord, we have so many promises to send on. Lord, no matter what the problems are, we know that you are the problem solver. Lord, you can take care of it. Lord, let us not be solution finders. But let us go to the problem solver. Lord, for I know that you can take us and you can take the problems. And you can take the measures of this life. And, Lord, you can can mold it all into what you want it to be. And, Lord, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise for this day because we serve a risen King, a risen Lord, a risen Savior. Lord, I'm so thankful today that we have you. Help us to walk in your light. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, amen, amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Father, again, I pray as we leave this place.